us pray. Father, thank you tonight for your mercy and your kindness to us. As we go over this material, may God you help it. Uh, help us to get some holy boldness because we really need that. We need to trust that you're in the program and in the process. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, how to share your faith without an argument. Some obstacles we have. I'm unsure how to guide the discussion to the Bible. I mean, I know that's a problem because that's a problem with me. I've flown around different times and I always feel a responsibility to witness the person on my left hand, on my right hand, or on my, I try not to sit in the middle, trust me. But I mean, I try to on the, both of them on my right hand or both on the left hand. Uh, and it's, it's difficult sometimes. I've tried carrying my Bible, reading my Bible to see if they, you know, ask me, what are you doing? I have been, in, <clears throat> I have had people not sit beside me because I had a Bible and demand a new seat. So, but I'm unsure how to start it. I fear rejection and confrontation. I mean, who doesn't? Come on, you fear rejection. I don't like rejection. Nobody, I'm an extrovert, but I'm not, I don't enjoy suffering and I don't enjoy being rejected by people and being thought badly by people. I don't know how to start a conversation. Um, <clears throat> some more than others. If you're an introvert, this is really rough for you to start a conversation. It's against, totally against your normal nature. But yeah, Jesus said, go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature, and your name's on that. There is no, there is no uh, definition of who, uh, what, it's, your name's on that. Go, go everywhere you go and talk about, your, you're like the gathering maniac. Go back and tell your people how much great things God's done for you. I mean, you know, one way or another. Um, I like the confidence that God will speak through me. Um, who, who really doesn't? Sometimes people that don't witness much think the people who do witness are some like Superman or superwomen. It's just not so. Everybody that I've known to be a strong witness struggles with the same kind of stuff, the people that don't do it. The difference is the people that don't do it let that stop them. And the people that do, do not let it stop them. But they still fight the same battles. I can't imagine anyone who would even care to listen to me or what I have to say. Uh, and, and you'll find some people who don't. They, they don't want to hear what you have to say. I've never seen anyone saved like this. You say, well, I've, I've had numbers of people through years come to me and say, Bill, no one's there. I've never led anybody to Christ. I've been a Christian 20 years, whatever, 30 years, never led anybody to Christ. Well, how about changing that? How are you going to change it? Begin to witness. Begin to be a faithful witness for Christ, and God will do it. And every one of the people who's come to me and said, Bill, would you pray with me that I can lead somebody to Christ? I've never led anybody personally to Christ. Every one of them, not long after they talked to me, led somebody to Christ. I mean, it's not coincidence that you go 10, 12, 15 years without leading somebody to Jesus, and all of a sudden you come to your preacher and say, would you pray for me? And I want to do that, and then God does it. You know, God works through you to do it. It's a beautiful thing to see them. So getting away from the win them idea. I suppose I call this a soul-winning class, so that, that is an old terminology, and it's a good terminology, except the problem with it is put the responsibility on you and me to win them. I don't win anybody. Uh, some, I, think, I think it was uh, Whetstone says some so Paul Water, God gave, I think maybe even Todd Whiff said that said this morning, uh, that God gives the increase. If you don't realize that God gives the increase, you'll get defeated. You'll say, I've witnessed for years and nobody's made a profession of faith, but you have obeyed God, and that is what's going to count when you stand before him, amen? You obeyed him. That's all you have to do is obey him. So God wins them. We simply tell the gospel. 
No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up in the last day. I believe that with all my heart. Uh, God, and you say, well, who does God draw? Everybody. He's the light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's clear that he doesn't want the least of these little ones to be lost. Uh, the Bible's clear that God wants people to be saved. He didn't send Jesus to die for a, 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 an elite, or as Calvinists would say, an elect. He had them die for the world. And you, that's the terminology the Bible uses, the world. For God so loved the world. And you meant the whole world. You meant all means all in the Bible. It means still means all. <clears throat> you have enough faith to just give the gospel and see what happens? Paul had, to fe had fear. He said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling. So Paul was afraid. He got afraid. Sometimes people make Paul superhuman. Now, I'll admit, he took beatings that are super, I mean, he took some beatings that were just, I can't even imagine. But we make him superhuman. I talked about Elijah today. Some people make Elijah superhuman. The Bible says he's a man of like passion, according to the book of James. He had the same kinds of fears. Well, when he ran from Jezebel, I mean, come on. God just brought fire down from heaven, killed 850 prophets of Baal, and you're afraid of a woman. I stop. Maybe he knew something I didn't. But anyways. But he obeyed anyway. God uses our weakness. He said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect, complete in your weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Imagine Moses before Pharaoh. He had, an incredible, he had a credibility problem before Pharaoh and says, oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither heretofore nor since. Thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. He he may have a, he, sounds like a speech impediment. What do you think? Now, I've had people come to me and say, Preacher, I stutter. And they, my brother my, my brother was a stutterer. He stuttered, one brother, the middle one. He stuttered a lot. And and it's, he struggled with that. I think it gets people's attention myself. Sometimes I think I'm going to give that a shot one of these days and start just... <laughs> There was a singer, a country singer one time had a lisp or had some sort of a stuttering problem. Man, when he sang, he didn't stutter, so he overcame it. Matthew 28, 18, go into the world and preach the gospel. Go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to deserve all things whatsoever I have commanded unto you. And lo, I am with you all the way, even unto the end of the world. That's that verse. You believe it? Is it warm in here? I know I'm getting warm. 2 Corinthians 5.20, now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray, and Christ said, be reconciled to God. In essence, when you go and talk to somebody about Jesus, you are in God's stead. You're you're, I told people going door to door one time, I saw, I've done this a few times, uh, when I came by here, this may be, it's like, it, I'm, and I don't, I'm not trying to tell them I'm God. An ambassador is not the country, just represents the country. But I am representing God to you, whether you like it or believe it or don't make any difference, but I am representing God at this moment. So we have God's part. Uh, then he answered and spake unto them the word of the Lord is Zerubbabel, uh, saying, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. I quote that to God all the time. It's not going to be by your talent. It's not going to be by your expertise. It's not going to be by your skill. It's going to happen. People are going to get saved by the Holy Spirit. 
coming and convicting and convincing people of what we're saying is the truth. And if that doesn't, and it does happen, uh, people just reject it or receive it. But I believe it happens every time a witness. John 6.65 said, Therefore say I unto you, said I unto you, that no man can come unto me except it were given him of my Father. So that's kind of a repeat of 6.44 there, or at least a parallel of it. First Corinthians, my speech, my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So before you do, before you venture out on witnessing, it would be nice to say, God, I need your help. Also, it would be nice to get right with God. That wouldn't be a bad idea to confess your sin and say, if there's anything between you and me, Father, I want to get right about it, right? I mean, if you know you're doing something absolutely in defiance of God, I got a feeling he's not going to be able to use you too much. He will. He will sometimes, to my surprise, use the strangest of vessels. But I'll stop. Where was I? You back there, Chris? This thing will not. Re- this thing will not reverse. Oh, the black screen is not a good thing. God's part. Okay, we got that. That's fine, son. I'll. Determining the other person's condition. This is imperative. Now, the first five questions. Can you turn that air one degree down for Bill? I know the girls probably hate to hear that, but I, I, I am, I am. You, you people got to quit breathing. <laughs> the humidity in this place just went up a hundred percent. Okay. The first five. This is a ten-question program. The first five questions to this program is just to determine where these people are at. Okay. Thank you, brother. Just to determine where these people are at. I don't want to waste my time on somebody if they're not if they're not interested at all in what I'm saying. Unless God leads me specifically to go against that, I move on to the next one. I want I want calling with a real good soul uh, a witness, Xavier Lopez. He's in Bolivia. He's one of the best witnesses I've been around, and he goes door to door with us when we come here. And I'm telling you, the guy is skilled at doing this. And so when we go door to door, if we run into somebody. Starts giving us all, he, we moved to the next, he don't even, he says, thank you for your day, appreciate it. And I said, well, you didn't want to war. He says, they're not ready. He goes to the next one. He says, we're hunting for one ready person that the Holy Spirit is prepared for the gospel. And he said, we may have to go through a hundred to get to the one. And I, and I like that because I appreciate it. I'd heard that before with him. But he said, yes, preacher, I'm just, we just need to call and talk to, we've, we're going to meet somebody that says, man, I'm glad you're here. I prayed God send somebody by. I've had that happen. Or I was going to commit suicide, and, and you just knocked on my door. I've had that happen. These are, these are the stranger, you know, truth is often stranger than fiction. So the first question, this is the approach, and you, you will want to memorize this part of it. That's in the book. You'll be able to memorize it. I'm going to give you this before you leave. Do you have any kind of spiritual belief? Now, that's generic, right? Brother, Chris, come on up here real quick. Chris is going to be an unsaved, hostile witness. Unsaved, hostile witness. It's easy for him to play this part. Okay. Do you have any kind of spiritual belief? Yeah. What is that? Um, Buddhist. Oh, Buddhist. To you, who is Jesus? 
<laughs> I'm looking over your shoulder for another question. To you, this will not happen door to door. This will happen. To you, who is Jesus? Uh, I think he's a good guy. Oh, okay. Uh, do you think there's a heaven and a hell? Uh, I don't know, but I think there's an afterlife. Do you believe you're going to go to heaven or hell? If what you believe about spiritual things were not true to the Bible, would you want to know it? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, brother. That was nice. He did a fabulous job. I'm just going to tell you up front, you'd be surprised how many people want to know more. You, you probably in your mind are sitting there thinking 9 out of 10 of people are going to say, I really don't want to know if I'm wrong. Well, there's a number that will say, if, if what you believe are not true to the Bible, and they're really going to ask you to repeat the question. What do you mean by that? Okay. I mean, if what you said about going to heaven and how to go to heaven and if you're going to heaven and all that, if all that stuff, if anything about what you answered me on that was wrong according to the Bible, it was the Bible was different than what you said, so I'm sitting there elaborating to them because sometimes you'll have to do that. Would you want to know what the Bible said? And don't say anything. If they say, I'm really not interested, I'm busy, I'm on the phone, I got somebody calling me, I got this, that, that, then thank you so much for helping us. Thank you for the you know, contact, and we're here for you. Here's and give them a gospel track. Always leave something in print. Always leave something in print. Many people get saved after the fact. With the Holy Spirit it moves them, they'll, they'll have something in their hand there. So but oftentimes, that's the end of your how to share your faith without an argument. That was easy, right? Let's go home. <laughs> Five questions. The last one, no, you're done. Pretty much you're done. Now, you say, Brother Bill, maybe I don't feel I am done. Well, then don't be done. This isn't, these aren't rules. These are suggestions. These five suggested questions. You say, Brother Bill, do I have to do them exactly this way? You don't. You can make your own five questions up if you want to. If they work, you may want to you may want to kind of you know add to some of these or subtract from some of these or you may want to, but I'm just telling you the approach is time tested. It works. We do all of our door to door on a survey basis. I came up with that idea, which is not in the book, to, to use this door to door. It has helped a lot of people. Joe, um, I can't remember his last name right now. Joe, which was here recently came to me and says, I've never won a soul to Christ. Could you teach me how to be a soul winner? And I said, well, you go with me. We go every other, we go second and fourth Saturday of the month, door to door. Would you want to go with me for three months? He said, I, I, I would like to. So for three months, Joe and I went together door to door. Now, I didn't sit there and lecture him, talk to him, nothing. I said, just listen to what I do, watch what I do, and when you're ready, you jump in. And so it was at the second week. He said, look, can I have that? I want to give that a shot. And it was like, I'm sure it was within the first month or so, he led a person to Christ. Now, that was God. It's always God. But he did it for Joe. Now, Joe's full-time uh, position at, at visitation, he has a visitation position full-time in the church in northern Alabama. And he wins. Last year, he told me he led 14 people to Christ. And so, he's out there. And Joe's kind of a shy guy. He's not the real personable individual, but he just memorized this. It gave him confidence. He was able to do it. He gave it a shot. He let God work. 
So moment of truth, that's when they ask that last question. If the answer is no, go on. Say thank you. Do not. I don't. Okay. According to the guy that wrote this little pamphlet, How to Share Your Faith on an Argument, he said seven person normally has to hear the gospel about 7.6 times before they get saved. How many here heard the gospel more than once before you got saved? How many heard it like multiple times before you got saved? Yeah, let me get Many people have to hear it, meditate on it, chew it over, you know, go back and forth, you know, before they get saved. And so my mom and dad were that way. They had not been to church. They never went to church. They were 33 years old. My dad said, there's got to be something else in life. He started going to a little local fundamental church down the road. He went three Sundays, heard the gospel three Sundays, and asked the preacher to come over to the house. Then the preacher presented the gospel the fourth time, and both he and my mother got saved the fourth time they heard it. But often it is three, four times. So let's just say you're coming up to a door. How do you know where you're at in that order? You may be the first time that person ever heard the gospel or at least was at least introduced to it because they haven't heard it yet. But introduced to who is Jesus? Well, that's a good question. Okay, another beauty of this is it gets them thinking, not you. You've got to have them do the work. For you to do this, it has to be relatively, now forgive me for this. It's got to be pretty easy. If it gets too complicated, then that reduces it down to very few people who will do it. If you've got to memorize 25 different verses, it's going to reduce it down to a very group, small group of people with real good memories. And the rest of us will be outside looking in. And so this is beautiful because you're putting all the thinking on their part because you already know you're saved. You already know where you're going. You already know about Jesus. It's not you that needs to be doing all the thinking. It's them that need to be doing the thinking about Jesus. Who is Jesus? Man, I can't tell you how thought-provoking that is to people. I mean, that people, I've had to say, man, that's a profound question. You know, I never really thought about that. Wow, you're living in a Christian nation with churches every block, and you haven't thought about Jesus. Christmas time's gone by, Easter's gone by, but it's true. If the answer is yes, then you continue from here out. And this is, this is where you get your little New Testament out. And you don't have to use these verses, but you're more than welcome to use these verses. But I'm gonna, it's not so much the verses. Don't get caught up on the verses as much as it is the way you do it. The way you do this is so, is so you get your new little New Testament. You yellow highlight the verses in case you're unsure where they're at. You turn to the first one is Romans 3.23. In this particular plan, you have maybe have a different plan that you go through the Bible on. You may go through the Gospel of John plan, or you may stay in the Romans and do the Romans plan. Or you may do the Old Testament, New Testament plan, which is Isaiah 53 and a few places at the end of Isaiah running over to the New Testament. You can do that also. There's different ways of doing it, but whatever, however you choose. This particular plan starts out with Romans 3.23, For all sin comes short of the glory of God. If they are comfortable at reading it, it's a better way. You take the New Testament and let them read it. But they may not be. I found not everybody's a good reader. Okay? Not everybody's. You know, can I say this without hurting feelings? But God has chosen the poor of this world. He's chosen mostly the uneducated of this world to be saved. And some of these people don't know how to read well 
or maybe at not at all. Now, it's been a while since I caught anybody who couldn't read at all because even people that can't read will fake it. They'll say, well, I don't have my glasses. You read it. The truth is they don't read, and they're ashamed of that. They don't read, and so consequently they just say they can't see it. I've heard In a restaurant, they'll always have their wife order for them. So if I go eat with you and you always have your wife order, order for it, I'm going to think maybe you don't know how to read. Okay, for all of a sudden, come show of God, what do you say? You ask a question. Are you a sinner? What's this verse say to you? Question, question. That's easy to remember, right? Mark your small New Testament ahead of time. Romans 6.23, the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. What do you do with that? Notice, by the way, you may, know, you may point out to him that sin is singular, meaning we... Uh, it's not sins in this particular case. It's that you are a sinner possessing a sin nature. And God cannot let you to heaven with that. You're not going to heaven with your sins or with your sin. So what do you do? You ask a question. Do you want forgiveness of sins? Wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Or do you say, well, I don't like to ask that question. Well, then ask. Uh, would you like to have eternal life? You see, it's always a question. Keep it a question. Would you like to have eternal life? And then go with, go with that. F- flow with it. Be flexible. Go to maybe John 3, 3. And say, uh, and I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. That's pretty, pretty exclusive, I'd say. You're not even going to see it. Not only are you not going to go to heaven, but you're not even going to see it from afar. Tell the story of Nicodemus, if you know it. You may not know that story of Nicodemus coming by night. He was a teacher of the law and asked Jesus to ask him how to be, what's his thing about being saved. Of course, you know John chapter 3, verse 16 comes out of that conversation with Nicodemus. Wow. And you want to go in your Bible, now you're in John chapter 3. That's right by John chapter 3, 16 through 21. Uh, but you ask a question. You let have him read it or read it to him and say, do you believe Jesus died on the cross for you and rose again? Because that's what it takes to be born again. 14.6, you go, you go to that verse, say, I say, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. What do you do? Do you believe this? You believe that's who Jesus is. Question, right? You believe that's who Jesus is. So what are you doing? As you're beginning to, are you a sinner? Would you like eternal life? Or would you like to have your sins forgiven? Uh, do, you, do you believe, you're talking about a little bit who Jesus is and the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, meaning that's the exclusivity of Jesus. Listen, you cannot be saved by accepting more than one Savior. The Hindus are famous for getting saved. Evangelists will go over to India and lead hundreds of thousands of Hindus to Christ. The problem with that is often, and I get this directly from Indians, G.S. Nair, Jacob Chelley, is that they've just added Jesus to the list of saviors just to cover themselves, amen? I want to make sure I got it covered. So they take Jesus on. How many would like to trust Christ, their personal savior? Uh, evangelists to come back to America and said, I had a 200, I've heard them say, 250,000 Indians trusted Christ. G.S. Nair and, and uh, Jacob Chelley, both raised, born and raised over there, said, preacher, if that many people got saved, it would turn India upside down. There would be a revolution among the Hindus 
we would have, which right now they're having some of that. Which it would just do. But he said, I've been in a town where that's happened, and there's no difference the next day. You with me on that? They just added Jesus to the list of saviors because Hindus have like a million gods that they recognize, and so, yeah. So you can't have Muhammad as your savior and Jesus as your savior. That's exclusivity. So in the gospel, it's important to present the exclusivity, and that's why you go to John 14, 6. So are you willing to surrender yourself to Christ? You may ask that question. John 10, 9, this is um, a main verse of salvation. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth. You possibly have him read that, or you read it to him. Believe in thy heart that Lord, the Lord Jesus is important too. It's not just Jesus. He's the Lord Jesus. And shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's pretty straight up and down, amen? If you believe and confess, will you be saved according to this verse? Let me ask you that question. What's the answer to that? Yes. But you have to do it with all your heart, right? Because the next verse says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What does this mean? Well, it means you need to believe with your heart and confess with your mouth. Jesus said, if you don't confess me before men, I'll not confess you before my Father which is in heaven. That's in Matthew 10, 32. So it's pretty straightforward. You've got to have a public profession or confession. It doesn't say how many. You have to confess him, but you need to go. We like to do it in front of the church because it's a good way to, hey, I trust you, Christ, my Savior. Then you go to the next verse there, and you say, for the Scripture says, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. What does this mean? That means if you don't get saved, you're going to stand before God ashamed. And who is that that you're going to stand before? It's Jesus Christ, the judge of all the earth. You don't have to say all that. Are you ready to invite Jesus into your heart and into your life? Good question. You're coming down to the end of this, Revelation 3.20, and I know you're going to say, well, this is meant for Christians. I think it's a general invitation myself to the church and anybody in the church. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, and I like to any man. Some people want to say, well, that's just for born again, but the any man, I think, is to any man. Hear my voice and open the door, and I will come to him and will sup with him and he with me. Basically, if you'll come to Christ with a tender heart and say, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. He always is tender towards you, and he'll help you, and he'll open the door. He wants you to be saved more than I want you to be saved, more than anybody wants you to be saved. God wants. We've got to keep that in mind. Is God for this program? He's more for it than I'm for it. He's more for it than you're for it. So you got God on your side with God before us. Who can be against us? So what you may ask him the question, what does this say to you? I stand at the door and knock, and they'll give you whatever answer, and you can go on from there, pick up from there. So you have the close. Are you a sinner? Do you want forgiveness of sins? Do you believe Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose again? Because resurrection is absolutely necessary to be saved. Are you willing to surrender yourself to Christ? Are you ready to invite Jesus into your heart? Some people will take exception about inviting him into your heart. You know, if you don't, just if you don't like that, use another word. And into your life in prayer. I don't know. You know, the thief on the cross didn't have no fancy dancy, uh, you know, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Um the old publican said, beat his chest and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. It didn't, it, it didn't, it doesn't set well with theologians, but it was enough with Jesus. It was enough. When you ask this final question, you got to be quiet. Would you like to invite? Would you like to trust Christ as your Savior? Would you like to invite Christ as your Savior? Would you like to 
ask Jesus to save you and be your Lord and Savior. You just word that however you want. It's a question. You ask the question and be quiet. In sales, they used to say the next man speaks loses. You've made the invitation. You've made it plain. They've answered the questions, and now you're here, and you say, do you want to true this? And they, now, I may, may take a long minute, a long two minutes. It may be the longest quiet time you've had. It seems like forever. But you need to really be quiet until they say yes or no. If they say no, you can pick up further if you, if you like, or you can say thank you for giving me a chance to this. Here's something you can read. Um, I, I only put this on here because sometimes people struggle with, well, how do they pray? I sense the Holy Spirit working in somebody and through what we've just done. I'll say, you pray to God your own words the best you know. And then they pray. Most of the time it's fabulous. Sometimes they say, preacher, I just don't know what to pray. They say, would you like me to say to pray and then, but you have to, if you repeat it, you've got to mean it as if it's you saying it, not me saying it. And I stop and really go through that. They'll say, yes, okay, I'm a sinner. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. And they say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. And you can tell, I think, to a point whether this is just, they're just doing it to get rid of you or it's a real deal. I cannot save myself by any amount of good works. <clears throat> they say, well, I cannot save myself by any amount of good works. Because, boy, every 95% of all religions in the world believe in good works. I now ask you to forgive me and be my personal Savior with all my heart. You can word that how you like. But it's nice to have that in there. I think it's important to have it in there. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the grave. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if you don't believe in the resurrection, you are still in your sins. Pretty serious. I had an old boy tell me a gospel one time years ago that he could, just couldn't accept the resurrection. Now, this is after he'd been coming here for a couple of years. I thought the boy was saved. And I looked him in the eye and I said, you just cannot be saved. And you are not saved. He said, well, intellectually, I just can't believe it happened. I said, you can't be saved. I repent of my sins and ask you to help me to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So you lead them in prayer, this little prayer. of some. You can practice that on each other, you know, if you're married on your spouse. Get your spouse saved four or five times, wouldn't hurt anything. I've had people say, I got saved ten times. Well, I hope one of them caught. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't get theological with people and tell them, well, now you know, you only can be saved one time. I just go with it. Which one of them caught? The last one? How many times can you be humanly born? Nobody would argue about that, would they? Oh, you're only born once. Well, it's just spiritually birth like that. Jesus put the parallel together. So here's an addendum. Remember to ask why to almost any objection. There are eight objections that you'll normally hear. This is accumulated over a long period of time, over a lot of answers. I'm going to give you eight objections, and you'll hear these objections. I don't believe the Bible. Now, you can start to get, you can, you can wax eloquent and go back in, uh, if you read the book, How to Share Your Faith on an Argument, and go in there and give them all the 
the canonicity of the New Testament, Old Testament, and the Masoretic scribes and all this other stuff. And uh, probably not going to work well. You can give it a shot if, you, if, you're, if you're adept at that. But most of the time, you do, if you just ask them, remember, you're, you've asked them to be saved, and they say, well, I, I just don't believe the Bible. And just ask them why. Why? They have no idea. It's a smoke screen. The flesh at this moment doesn't want to get saved. The devil at this moment, his, and his horde of demons doesn't want them to be saved. And he's there. Oh, man, is he there. He'll be pinching the baby, kicking the dog, getting the phone to ring. These are things I've had to interrupt the guy. Just as I ask him to be saved, the phone will ring, the dog will bark, the baby will cry. Somebody will come by, a neighbor will come by. Other spouse will come by, worried that maybe they may get saved or something, you know. Hey, we don't want none of that. We ain't been there, you know. And they'll, then they'll, I'm like, oh, man. So just ask, why not? Why don't you believe the Bible? Most people even haven't. They haven't given the Bible enough read to worry about. Hey, I'm having trouble getting Christians to read their Bible. How much less the unsaved world reads the Bible? They, they hit and miss a little bit here and there. I'm just not ready. You may say, well, when are you going to be ready? And I say, well, I don't know. I say, well, when are you going to die? Now, that's, this is all extra. When are you going to die? They can't tell you. I say, well, if you die before you get saved, you're going to hell because you're going to answer for your own sin rather than Jesus answering for your sin. So because you don't know when you're going to die, it's pretty urgent to get saved so that when you die, you go to heaven, not hell. Just why not? Why aren't you ready? And the conversation continues. Number three, I have to think about it. Why? I've always believed in God. Why do you say that? Now you can go in, you can go in, you can try to, you can try different methods of this, but you just sometimes raise the ugly head of resistance. All you're trying to do on these on these questions is kill the resistance. They don't even know why they're asking this stuff. They just know that there's a resistance to maybe trusting Christ. Part of them feels they should trust Christ and it's real because you got them to this place. They've answered the questions. They believe Jesus died, rose again. They believe he's the only Savior. Uh, they believe they're, you know, so why? Why? What do you mean you've always believed in God? We're talking about Jesus here. My friends will think that I'm a fanatic. Well, that's for sure. Your mother and father may condemn you. Why would they think you're a fanatic? What difference would it make what they think? You're going to stand for God alone, right? Question, question, question. I must quit sin before I get saved. I've had that one for sure a lot of times. Why? Why? You get saved and then you quit sin. We don't say we're not saved by works, but we right, but if we get saved, we work. You get saved, then you quit smoking, drinking, cussing, acting ugly, going to movie shows, watching video games all night when your wife's in bed, you should be there with her. You young people. Don't you be up at night white watch playing video games? We start talking about video games, that's a sanctimonious subject. 
Number seven, there's error in the Bible. Oh, that's a good one. Show me one. Now, I have run into a couple cases where they got educated on, a, on <clears throat> there are some seeming discrepancies in Scripture that can be explained. Uh, according to Ryrie in his book on theology called this, uh, can't remember the name of the book right now, Basic Theology, there's 20 areas of seeming discrepancy, and most of the time it's in numbers. Hebrew numbers were hard to copy out and read. And there's some number discrepancies and something like that. But yet, it has nothing to do with salvation. It has nothing to do with the main theme of the Bible. There's no problem with that at all. Even if there was other problems in other areas, they're just they're textual problems, copy problems. They're not doctrinal problems or theological problems. And I believe the Bible's inerrant. But show me one. Most of the time they can't. But if they do, I'll say, well, so, so you know, that's going to keep you back from trusting Christ your Savior? How do you know the Bible is true? Why? Is there something in you now that is telling you it is true? Now, this is working on the Holy Spirit's work. What Usually at this moment, the Holy Spirit has made it clear to them, pulling them to be saved. When you got saved, think back when you got saved. Think back. You knew what you were doing was right. How did you know? There was a voice inside of you telling you this is true. Of all you'd heard, this is true. And man, if the Holy Spirit's not there, you ain't going to get saved. The Holy Spirit's there making the... Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What's the power of God unto salvation? The gospel. There is something supernatural about the repeat, repeating the gospel. It does something. Something happens when you repeat the gospel. I heard Franklin Graham talk about that. I heard Billy Graham talk about that. If you'll just be allowed to give the gospel, people are going to get saved. That was their experience, and that's anybody's experience who's allowed to give the gospel. The trouble is that Satan's trying to shut down you giving it because the power of God and our salvation is in the gospel. I'm, I'm about done here. Is there any amount of evidence that would convince you that the Bible is true? Because when you get down to the nitty-gritty, if I could show you the answer to your objection, would you believe? Let's just say I don't know the answer. Nothing wrong with that. Well, let's just say, let's pretend you're talking to them. Let's pretend that I do know the answer and I can give you a satisfactory answer. Would you believe? Well, now you're going to find out whether they're legit in their question or whether they're just trying to smoke screen you. Because a lot of times there's no amount of evidence that you could bring that would convince them differently than what they already believe. And you're just wasting your time on a guy or a woman that's already set in their head to the place they don't want to change no matter what. My mom and dad were this way. I'm going to die that way. Okay. There are three theological alternatives that Jesus claims. I use this regularly. 
either you're either you either you have to believe one of these three. Either Jesus was a liar, he was nuts, he was crazy, he was a lunatic, or he is who he said he was. But he's one of those three. Those are called the three logical conclusions of the presentation of what Jesus gave. So God needs you. We then are workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. This is some statistics. Only 15 of the 100 people, 15% of people trust Christ at a formal meeting. Look at this. 85% of the people who trust Christ is through personal witness. I thought that was interesting. Overall, through the years, I've heard about that. I think it's changed a little through the years, but much of it. What, what did Weststone say about inviting people? Most people come to meetings from a personal invitation. We put flyers out. We do this. We do that. Almost get no results. You ask somebody to come to church, and they come. Ernie asked somebody to come, and they came. I couldn't have gotten there by a flyer. You had to have that relationship. Yeah, it's about the relationship together, and they'll come. And so they come by a relationship. So you are needed to help with the gospel and with the, with the presentation. So share your face, start a conversation with these questions, keep them thinking about their souls. At least you tried when you stand before Jesus. That's it. I'm four minutes early. Because in those four minutes, Brother, Brother Barrows and Brother... Uh, uh, is is uh, Mike here? Uh, Brother T Thomas Barrows, I need some help. Mike, need you too, because I want each one of you. Do we know how many are people are in this room? We don't, do we? I have seventy-five of these. Do we have seventy-five people here tonight? Take one per couple until we find out whether we have extra. But I would like you to have a personal copy. I would like, you want some more of these? I would like you to have a personal copy. We do have more coming in. Yeah, yeah, ask So what you just heard is in that book. You couldn't take notes that good. You'd never take notes that good. You got a little syllabus there to go home, meditate. You don't believe what I said? No problem. Meditate over it. Read the book. Look at it. Ask God to give you wisdom. I'm not asking you to believe just because I said it. Believe because the Holy Spirit tells you it's so. And give it a shot. And you know what? There is no failure. There's no failure. If you try, God will bless the socks off of you. If you just try. Oh, we got extra? Now, did anybody want two of them? You can come up here afterward and grab one. Uh, listen, if you try, give your best shot. That's all God's asking you to do. You know, give, give it a shot. And then don't just quit every t first time you get shut down. You're going to get shut down. You're going to get shut down. But you didn't get shut down. You got somewhere. Because out of 7.6 times, you're number one or number three or number six or number seven. Oh, but I really like to be point six. The last time they get saved, what a beautiful thing it is. 
when somebody gets saved. It's so humbling when somebody gets saved, I just want to cry. Because I know it's not me doing it at all. In fact, most time people get saved, it gives you a feeling of totally, total inadequacy. And I think, man, I am inadequate to do this. God did it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.